All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm struggling with uh, coming to terms with the amount of racism I've seen this year in this presidential election. I think there's a lot more in this country than what I realized. When I looked at Twitter, all I saw were comments about how any Trump supporter is actually deep down a racist and that there's no other reason to be glad for the results. And that's not true. I just can't afford health insurance. And it feels like he is listening. Dilemmas and considerations. What do we do next, online or off, to feel a little better after the election, no matter who you voted for? It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Last week, we learned that Donald Trump will be our next president. To put it mildly, it was a surprise. It kind of felt like the country was turned upside down. So we put out the call to you, asking how are you dealing with all the information coming at you? Polls that seemed very wrong, intense Twitter feeds, fake Facebook posts, unrepresentative journalism, and angry fellow citizens. So much information. Here's what some of you told us. Hi, Manoush and all you other lovely people at WNYC. My name's Connor Lowe. I'm uh, currently a graduate student in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Tom, calling from Richmond, Virginia. Allison from Boston. Social media echo chambers came up a lot. Many of you are thinking hard about how powerful the filters on Facebook and Twitter are, and you're trying to understand how they work to shape opinion and reinforce views you might already have. I think to a large degree, I totally fell into the trap that you described, where the media that you're consuming now is, to a large degree, influenced by your friends. And it's hard to know what to do with all that social media. Listener Chris Clark wants to learn about different points of view, but he can't seem to do that and avoid seeing too much shocking racism online. I have a mixed-race family, and it it concerns me a lot. And I don't quite know how to uh, gain much usefulness from social media, particularly Facebook. So I think I'm going to be using it less, at least in the near term. Jeff Harding is a New Yorker. He didn't vote for Trump, but he's finding that Facebook is helping him understand the president-elect's supporters one person at a time, 
I have a friend that I keep in touch with on Facebook that I know is a good person, and we don't talk a lot, but she's a supporter, and it's constantly on my mind thinking about how she's a decent person, and this half of the country that doesn't agree with the people in my circle, I just keep remembering there's people like her there, too. Another left-leaning listener is Liz Cobb. She lives north of Atlanta and is surrounded by a very conservative family. She wants to discuss their differences, but she feels like the echo chamber has made constructive conversation impossible. I've really struggled with my family, who, who are very smart people, taking the Fox News version, the Trump version of what happened, and just swallowing it wholeheartedly. And there's no, there's no talking to them. That's really what I'm struggling with, is that I'd love to have a discourse. I'd love to talk about it, but there's no way. And then there's Heather Tremko. She doesn't feel like she belongs with either side. Hi, Manoush. I didn't vote for Trump, but I'm glad he won. Because the Affordable Care Act created a real hardship for my family. And I know that my family is in the minority and people don't really want to hear me complain. But when I heard that Trump had won, my first hope was that he can somehow enact change that will help my family with this situation. When I looked at Twitter, all I saw were comments about how any Trump supporter is actually deep down a racist and that there's no other reason to be glad for the results. And that's not true. I just can't afford health insurance. And it feels like he is listening when everyone else is telling me that they don't see a problem and that the system is working the way it should. For many people in both parties, the system isn't working. And it's not just in this country. Note to self has listeners around the globe, like Mike Hamilton, who recently made some big changes in his social media diet. I live in Canada, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, I stopped having Facebook and Twitter on my phone. Uh, In fact, I've actually deleted my personal Twitter account. I found that my own reactions to online discussion and my own contributions to that discourse have really tanked. And I think that reflects the split in your country and beginning to be my country uh, in Canada. And I think that the online discourse that, that transpires from that is increasing that growth. And I think it's dividing, you know, in, in my case, my family. I still read the news, I still have my opinions, but the online discourse just isn't working for me, and I'm thinking it's not working for a lot of people. I'm happier now not having that constant barrage, and I don't foresee myself going back to it. I wonder how many other people are finding that same thing. Mike figured out what works for him. For now, he's happier without what he calls the constant barrage. And it it really feels like a constant barrage. So Mike's found a way to stay as engaged as much as he possibly can handle. But what's going to work for you in the weeks and months to come in this post-election world? How can you be online, interacting, getting information in a way that makes you not just feel well-informed, but maybe even happier? Is that too tall an order? What you can do is you could say to yourself... 
you know, what does this tell me about my own values? On the second half of the show, someone who thinks she can help. Hi, Manoush. I'm calling after listening to your post-election note and um, wanted to give some of my own thoughts. I'm a high school teacher, and one of the hardest things I've had to deal with right now is how to be unbiased to my students. I live in a red state, and so I often forget um, where my students and their families are in their mindset. When I teach in a world where I try to tell my students to be empathetic and understanding and to tolerate others, it's hard to know how to go forward. We're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi. It's Note to Self. Big shifts are happening politically and technologically, and those shifts are not discreet. So I just want to take a minute to say that I am really looking forward in the next couple months to working harder on this show to understand how algorithms, our notions of privacy, and all kinds of data are changing our culture and are changing us. And I want to try and figure out what can we do to make sure that these tools bring us together. Meanwhile, it kind of feels like we're in this post-election information gathering and reflection phase. What can we do now to get through the immediate aftermath other than decimating your children's Halloween candy like I did the other night? Well, maybe you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin and her mega best-selling books that include The Happiness Project and Better Than Before. She's a researcher, a journalist, and she also hosts the podcast Happier. It might be downloaded onto your phone at this very moment. Gretchen and I had planned to get together to discuss her new research into personality types and habits, and we will bring you that conversation soon. But for now, I want to share with you some wisdom and some very simple, straightforward suggestions she has into how to make and keep good habits, especially ones that have to do with how and when you connect and get information, something that we're having to think about very hard right now. Gretchen and I got together a couple days after the election. What do you do when, and I'm thinking of the election, when your world feels upended and how, you know, Literally, the day before the election, I had made plans for Wednesday. You know, I I always plan out my week on Sunday nights. It's mm-hmm. my habit. Yeah. And I felt like I'd walked into bizarro world because the world was not how I had yeah. expected it to be on Wednesday. It makes me wonder, are there a lot of people right now struggling with their habits, mm-hmm. struggling with being able to tear their eyes away from Twitter? Right struggling or going the other way, being like, you know what, this was maybe they weren't happy with the results and they're like shutting down completely and don't even want to know. Right, right. 
I think a lot of times people are like, to be civic-minded, I need to stay part of the stream. So it's irresponsible to cut myself off altogether. So I think one thing to do is to say, well, I'm going to choose one way of getting my information, and I'm just going to use that only. Or also to say, I'm only going to do it like once or twice a day. Okay, maybe I'm going to check in in the morning. Like, I'm going to have my morning cup of coffee, and I'm going to sort of see what's going on. If anything tremendously earth-shattering happens, you will hear about it, or else you can just check in the next morning, or if you feel like you need to do it in the morning and at night. But I think part of it is this feeling of, like, constantly drinking out of this garden hose, and so you just can't manage it because it's just coming to you all the time, and it's sort of slightly refreshing all the time. And so it feels overwhelming and emotionally turbulent and... It just can become draining for people. And frankly, it doesn't and, make us happy. Well, and it doesn't even really inform us. I mean, it's like, how much have you learned in the last six hours? Like, not that much. What you're describing, this idea of, like, setting rules for yourself. I've been having sort of an ongoing conversation with some of my listeners. Oh, I'm sure. And they're telling me about, like, one of them was like, I finally see the light. I took Facebook off my phone. And it wasn't yeah. to say that he doesn't – he didn't want to say, like, I'm ignoring all this craziness. It was saying – I'm going to look at it on my desktop and I'm not at my desk all the time. And I think this is good for me. And I think it will bring me a little bit of happiness, however you define it. And that's the strategy of inconvenience. It's just slightly less convenient to get to it. So it doesn't, it's not constantly available to him. It's more limited. It's at a certain time and not other times. So I think that's really smart. Yeah. I also just want to ask you, and, and I guess this comes back to, you know, sort of a more philosophical way of looking at happiness. We're at this point in our country where, half of the country is elated with the results and half are despondent. despondent. What do we do with that? Well, you know, I think I've been thinking about that. And I think one of the things that we can all do in our own lives, I mean, there's sort of institutional or organizational responses. But if you wanted to say, well, what could you do in your own life? I think anytime anything important happens, whether it's your birthday or it's New Year's Eve or it's, you know, a hurricane or an election – It's a milestone, and a milestone always offers an opportunity for reflection. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is you could say to yourself, you know, what does this tell me about my own values and how in my life I could live up to the highest ideals of my country? And what does that look like? And I think for everyone it would be different um, because people have very different ideas of what it means to be part of the United States or what role they want to play in it, but it can't... Those are big questions, They're though. very big questions, and it's actually something that I think about a lot, which is what does it mean? Like, what is the true meaning of the United States? With the long-term goal yeah, in being happy with yourself, that you've yes. lived up to whatever yes. expectation you've set, yes. no matter what exactly. type you are. Yes. Or... yes, because we're happy when our life reflects our values. Yeah, so it's how do you channel that into something positive? Huh. Yeah. Either institutionally, organizationally, or in your own life, or both. Can you think of one thing I could ask my listeners to do? A small thing? Like, obviously, yes, please do ask yourself that big question. What does America mean to you? How do you want to help make it fit your values? Those are big and important questions. But if there was one, one thing I love that you do is you do, I'm I'm a big fan of the small tweak. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? The little hack, yeah. The little hack. What's one thing? Okay, so this is... From the sublime to the ridiculous, of everything that I ever talk to people about that makes them happier, like what is the habit that makes you happier in your everyday life? The one thing that people mention the most often, and I'm not saying this is the most significant thing you could do, but it's the thing that comes up surprisingly often, is make your bed. It's like that little bit of order. It makes them feel like they have more self-command. They're keeping a promise to themselves. 
Every, it's nicer to come in at night, like having good sleep. It makes it's more restful to come into a room where the bed's. It's surprising to me. It's obviously an insignificant, trivial thing, and yet over and over, people mention it to me. I think that makes total sense yeah. because if you were happy with the election, making your bed says, "I am ready to move to the next step," where I march out the door and you know yeah. make government happen. Right. And if you were despondent with this election, making your bed means you're not going to crawl under the covers. Right. It means that yeah, you, you are think of also this ready met- to <laughs> it's metaphorically. Yes, yes. I'm or ready. Literal. To, I'm ready to hit the world. Yes, yes. The yes, other thing yeah. I love about a made bed is it means that like I could take a nice little nap on uh-huh, it, like uh-huh. curl up like a cat yeah. later. <laughs> it's a promise like it's a kind of like a thing to tempt myself with even if I never make it there cuz yeah. it would be wrong to crawl back into bed at 4 p.m. But if yes. I could take a little 15-minute nap. Ooh, interesting. I never thought about mm. that. Gretchen Rubin, thank you so much. Oh, it's so much fun to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. I think a lot of us feel better having heard this conversation. <laughs> Gretchen Rubin's very fun and useful podcast is called Happier. Her co-host is her sister, Liz Kraft. They get together every week to figure out how to make life a little bit better, fun, and more organized. And I'm actually joining them on their episode that they have out next week. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Many, many thanks to all of you who shared with us what you're thinking these days. Please keep telling us. As I said in the special newsletter and extra audio note that we put out last week, you and I have a place to try and figure out what this division for the country means for us and how to make sure these platforms and tools connect us rather than drive us apart. Speaking of which, here's what listener Jameis Bruning is looking for. I'm struggling with how to connect to people who identify with Trump and his movement. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of how I personally deal with this. Uh, I feel pretty out of touch with all of those voters who voted for him and who support his movement. But they're entitled to their opinions just as I'm entitled to mine. And so I don't know how to go about talking to them and trying to bridge that divide in a sensible, respectful manner. Jameis, I am wondering if you would like to be put in touch with Tiffany April. She is a Note to Self listener and a Trump supporter, and she wrote me a note on Facebook saying... There are all kinds of deep thinkers in your audience, Manoush, and we would like to celebrate and run alongside your creative and inspiring space. There's room, right? Tiffany, there is definitely room. And I would love to put some Trump and Clinton supporters in touch because at least you know that you have this podcast in common, right? I think we should do that. Email us if you are willing. Note to self at WNYC.org. You can always contact us whichever way feels right for you, whether that's private email or a message on Facebook or Twitter. We love hearing from you. If Twitter is your thing, we're compiling messages from Note to Self listeners about how they're dealing with information overload uh, in this post-election world. If you want to feel part of the community, this will really help you do that. Check out the link on our website to this wonderful list of comments. Uh, It's notetoselfradio.org. On the website, you will also find a curated list of previous episodes that we have specially chosen to suit whatever post-election mood you are in right now. We've identified seven possible moods. Maybe you're fluctuating between all of them. Maybe you've discovered many, many more. 
In any case, I'm going to close out this week's show with a listener who has a little 2020 hindsight he would like to share. He also has a request of all of us. So stick around after the credits. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Rachel Neal and Caroline English for their help. And I also want to welcome Kat Aaron, who is coming aboard as Note to Self's senior producer. You are going to love her. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and here's Pete. Hi, guys. Uh, Note to Self. Um, yeah, Pete here from London in the UK. Earlier this year, obviously, we had the whole EU referendum here, and I voted as a reluctant Remainer. I'm a Eurosceptic, but I felt that it was too big a risk to leave. However, that morning, when I woke up at about 6am, uh, shock of shocks, we, we'd done the unthinkable, we voted to leave. Um, I think what you guys are going through right now on both sides um, is that kind of same shock, disbelief, fear, you know, abhorrence, anger, rage, you know, kind of refusal to accept a result, or even just overly kind of smug and jubilant and rubbing it in other people's faces. My advice would be what I did was uh, essentially just keep an open mind, take a step back, because it's not you're not going to work out why this happened today. You're not going to work out why this happened next week. You're not going to work out why this happened even next month, maybe. But, you know, the more you think about it, the more that, for example, you, you meditate on it, or the more that you kind of ruminate on it while having a coffee, um, the more that you'll come to terms with what had happened, the more that you kind of think, what can I do to make this a better place? What could I, you know, what could I do to make America a better place? Or, you know, don't have to wade in, just sit back and look at comments and stuff like that, you know. That's all I can think of right now. Anyway, you know, hope you guys get through it because the rest of the world really actually needs you guys to pick yourselves up off the floor and get, well, excuse the French, get your shit together. So, um, yeah. Anyway, London signing off. See you later. Bye.